You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. A'udhu billahi min shaitan rajim Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. In the name of Allah, the Most Gracious, the Ever Merciful. Dear listeners, a warm welcome, a warm Assalamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullahi wa Barakatuh. May be peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all. Dear listeners, welcome to Breakfast Show on Voice of Islam Radio broadcasting from the biggest mosque of UK, the Battle of Two Mosque. My name is Shahil Muni Ahmed and I'm joined here with my co-host and friend Asim Hashmi. Dear listeners, as you know in this show, we discuss certain things from the Islamic angle. We explain certain things from the Islamic angle. And if you want to be a part of this show, you can call in anytime. The number is 0208-687-787 or you can Go on our socials at Voices Islam UK. Asima, I mean, um, we have seen sunny days throughout the last few weeks, or let's last week. And suddenly today, when we presenting a show, we always have seen that the weather has not always been like a fan of us both, right? Like straight in the beginning, in the morning, we see rain. But Asim, you know what? has surprised me or what motivates me while I was driving and I saw the rain etc I saw people running as well they are focusing on the sports as well and uh, this is you know this is Islam is emphasized to do certain things like this as well to look after your health as well so Asim how are you doing good 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 so in this rainy like what would you suggest What would you like to do? Like what kind of sports you're looking for? Um, so I have actually started some gym. Some gym? Some some sort of gym. Some yeah. sort of gym. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like just logging in, go inside <laughs> and sit down and then yes, yes, I've done it. Yeah, be on my phone and I come back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, it's good if if you can't, I mean, go out and do some uh, sports in the rain. It's actually know, very good. Um, um, I've doing gym for quite a long time as well. And uh, uh, there's a stairmaster, the machine where you just basically climbing stairs. Yes. It's absolutely. very difficult, to be mm-hmm. honest. But it's also very healthy and uh, it has improved my stamina as well. So the, listeners, the reason I've just discussed this thing is that because The fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community has said that there is no tomorrow. It's always today. Focus on today and start doing it today. Just don't focus on the other day because tomorrow might never come. But, dear listeners, this is just to emphasize the importance of health. Um, Asim, we have to prepare today uh, two very interesting topics. Absolutely. So we have two interesting topics. The first one is that how can we pay tribute to the victims of terrorism? Mm-hmm. And the second one is are fewer people believing in God? So dear listeners, in this show, we will explain, we will explore, we will discuss, we will talk what Islam basically says about peace, how Islam basically tackles terrorism. And we will discuss the Islamic God Allah in the show as well. Uh, therefore, we will have in the second segment also Imam Ibrahim Nonan. But before we go to the f- first topic, dear listeners, um, let's have a look on the newspapers. Um, the Financial Times, dear listeners, is reporting about the death of the Wagner boss Brigosian. 
um, who, as you know, has been killed or has uh, basically died by air crash. Um, he was aboard a plane from Moscow to St. Petersburg, uh, and all 10 passengers on board died. Now, according to Russia Emergency Ministry, um, this is, uh, it is sad that, um, now this is a quote from the CIA chief Bolt Burns as well, that my experience, Putin is the ultimate apostle of payback. So he's basically saying that he said it a month ago that he might take revenge of previous um, incident with Chapman. Now, the Guardians, the listeners, now the Guardian is showing a picture of the uh, crash site. And uh, it's also saying that um, maybe it is was motive of Putin to kill uh, Prigozhin. Now, the listener, the paper adds uh, media channels uh, adds that media channels linked to the Wagner Group suggested a Russian air defense missile shot down the plane. Now, elsewhere, the Guardian also reported that more than 100 MPs have enjoyed free tickets to concert and. Sporting events worth over 180,000 pounds. Now, it's observed critics think the free tickets could leave MPs open to influence from the companies providing the giveaway and question its appropriateness during the cost of living crisis. The listeners, um, the Daily Star says, What rotten luck! It writes, No one at all is shocked at Prigozhin's death, and he joins dozens of Putin's refused to perish in terrible accidents. Now, the paper also reports explorers have found a cave system linked to Loch Ness, making it the perfect hideout for the famous mythical beast called Nessie. Did, did you ever believe on that? On that very famous uh, monster living in Loch Ness? No idea. No idea? No. <laughs> I've heard it many times and... Uh, as a, as a child, you were like always looking, like maybe thinking about it, but yeah, we've never seen it before. Maybe it's just a myth. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, even uh, the Daily Express also special picture of the crash scene. It writes that Prigozhin appears to have paid the ultimate price. It also says the NHS Trust, where Lucy Let Be Murdered Babies has paid over 225000 Pounds for public relations advice on the crimes. Also, dear listeners, the Daily Mail asks, was this Putin terrible revenge? Now, the paper says security services are pointing the finger at the Russian president. Now, the Mail also covers former NetWest boss Dame Alison Rose. It said to receive a £2.5 million payout after resigning following the row over Nigel Farage's bank account. And the Mirror says Putin's revenge. The paper reports it is thought the Russian president put the Wagner boss on a kill list weeks ago. It adds the locals say they heard two bangs before the crash. The Times is saying Wagner boss who crossed Putin killed in jet crash, which is the headline. So, dear listeners, we just go to the other newspapers. It is mainly about Prigozhin's death. Metro, although, is reporting about India over the moon. Headlines, the uh, metro reports on the country is becoming the first to land in the lunar South Pole region. A picture of the life simulation of Chandrayaan 3S lander on the moon surveys covers the front page. And here, therefore, I mean, congratulations for um, the Voice of Islam team Definitely, for this yeah. huge success of Voice uh, of India. Um, as in, we talked about the weather. We know it's not sunny today, but... 
I mean, it's fine. It's been sunny for like a whole week or, or more, and one day of rain. You know, it's it's fine. Did Ooh. you enjoy the ice creams or the sun last? Uh, uh, you know, days? as as I said, I was uh, doing some gym, so oh, I try okay. I try to refrain from these ice creams. So no ice cream this <laughs> Less year. sugar, yeah. Less sugar. No, anyhow, the listeners. Just for your information, today we have heavy and thundery showers across the far south and southeast early this morning. Showery rain in the far northeast, falling heavy at times, a mix of variable cloud and scattered showers elsewhere. Tonight, showers will persist in northwestern Scotland, some falling heavy, lighter showers in northern Ireland and northwest England, elsewhere largely clear skies and isolated patches of cloud. Tomorrow on Friday, dear listeners, we'll see widespread patchy cloud and showers these heavier in Scotland, Northern Ireland and Northern England, thumb with the risk of thunder. And on the weekend, dear listeners, Saturday will continue breezy and cold with blustery showers for many, these thundering in the south, but sunnier skies in the southwest. Sunday, we'll see, we'll see a band of cloud and showers sweeping through from the west, staying drier and brighter in the southeast. However, variable cloud and isolated showers in the south on Monday, turning sunny for most by the evening. So, whatever it is, dear listeners, uh, it is, in, um, you know, it is like it is. Last week I discussed this with Nafis, he said that Great Britain is a country where you will see three different kinds of um, sh- uh showers or different kind of scenarios of weather yeah I mean we're used to it now it's it's could, it could be sunny but same in the same moment it can also be raining and this is this happens and we are used to it now I believe we are used to it and um, but we should be very grateful for the sunny days which we have seen and there are more to come it's not like it's yeah, definitely. ending it is good that we have some rain yeah, rain as well uh, should be cool, uh, cooling, cooling down, and uh, but whatever it is, we should enjoy life. Asim, this is one one very very important aspect. You know, Islam always promote that. You know, go enjoy your life with friends, family, and uh, even Islam says that go try to give glad tidings. So I was trying to give glad tidings, dear listeners. Just don't be demotivated. We will have sunny days again. But Asim, um. What else do we have to report? Absolutely. So, uh, in the news, it says that North Korea's second spy satellite launch fails. North Korea's second attempt to put a spy satellite into space uh, has failed three months after its first launch crashed into the sea. The attempt on Thursday morning failed during the third stage of its flight, uh, state media said. For North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un, a spy satellite is a co- coveted prize as it would let him monitor incoming attacks and plot his own more accurately. South Korea said it's detected the launch of the rocket at around 3.50 local time and that it had flown through international airspace over the Yellow Sea between mainland and China and and the Korean um, peninsula. The launch promoted an emergency warning in Japan South South, south uh, southernmost Okinawa prefecture minutes later, urging residents to take cover indoors. The alert was lifted after uh, about 20 minutes. So, on the other hand, we have um, India sending um, 
a uh, um, you know a mission to the moon and then here we have um, a failed launch here as well uh, another news is that um, GCSE results set to drop close to pre-COVID levels uh, GCSE results in England are set to drop back for a second year running bringing grades back in line with 2019 levels it follows a spike in higher grades in 2020 and 2021 which when exams were cancelled because of covid and results were based on teachers assessments in wales and northern ireland results are to be uh, are said to be higher than they were in 2019 but lower than 2022 uh, students will also receive level 2 btechs cambridge national and other uh, vocational results on Thursday morning, uh, which is uh, today basically. Uh, the pass rate for exams in Scotland fell this month but was still higher than before uh, the pandemic. Uh, so uh, we can see that um, the grades are getting back to their normal levels and people are not just getting, you know, grades according to their <laughs> teachers' assessments. So yeah, school, was school times, uh, you know, I, I, the only thing I can say is enjoy your school. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the best part of don't your life. Don't take stress. No, don't, don't. Just enjoy your life. Dear listeners, yesterday uh, there was a debate, the Republican debate, um, which is basically the first Republican presidential debate, which was a roadie affair, says uh, BBC News, that saw the eight candidates leap headlong into a heated exchange. No. There were some who thought it would be boring without Donald Trump. But the ultimate showman, which is the ultimate showman, but that was decidedly not the case. Now, the former president may have been the life of the party during primary debates back in 2016, but the eight rivals who traveled to Wisconsin proved they could bring some excitement without this. Now, the, those eight candidates are... Aza Hutchinson, Ron DeSantis, Chris Christie, Vivek Ram- Ramaswamy, Mike Pence, who we know as a vice president during the, the Donald Trump presidency, yeah. Doc Burgum, Tim Scott, and Nikki Harley. Now, some kind of stood out from the pack, however, and some seemed to languish on the sidelines. Now, just look at, let's see how on the winners and the losers on this debate. Now, the winner, one of the winners is Vivek Ramaswamy, the man who never ran for public office, and didn't even vote for president from 2004 to 2020. Now, simply dominated this Republican debate. Now, it decided with a broad smile and a quick tongue, he frequently seemed to be the only candidate on the stage who was enjoying himself. That may partly be because this political novice was exceeded expectation and essentially playing with house money while he takes center stage. Also one of the winners, is Mike Pence. We know him as the vice president of the uh, Trump uh, during uh, Trump's presidency. Now, although his presidential campaign has been sputtering, now hated by Trump supporters and distrusted by Trump critics, his debate stage experience served him well on Wednesday night. Now, he went on the attack early, swiping at Mr. Ramaswamy's experience, saying, now is not the time for one to job training. Now, he offered a passionate religion-based call for nationwide abortion limits that likely won't play well in next year's general election, but it could help him win over 
evangelical Republicans who can tell the balance in states like Lower and South Carolina, which play an outside role in deciding the party nominee. And one other winner of this debate is Nikki Haley. The former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. has made a habit of surprising those who underestimate her. She has never lost a race for office, even when she was challenging more established Republican candidates for South Carolina governorship. Now, yesterday, she stood up by offering sharp criticism early of both Mr. Trump and the Republican Party as whole. Then, now, on the middle of the pack were Tim Scott and Chris Christie. Now, Mr. Christie did exactly what many expected him to do. He took swipes at Mr. Trump, had some choices lines targeting Mr. Ramaswamy, and was generally f competitive. And Tim Scott, uh, who has, like... His came up with his nice guy attitude meant he frequently stayed above the fray during the most heated debate moments. Now, according to BBC, the losers on this debate were Ron DeSantis, because at the beginning of the year, the race for the Republican nomination seemed like it would be a two-man contest between Mr. DeSantis and Mr. Trump. Since then, the Florida government has sacked in the polls. Also, one of the losers are Arthur Hutchinson and Doug Brogham. Now, former Arkansas Governor Arthur Hutchinson was the last candidate to qualify for the Milwaukee debate. Now, Dakota Governor Doug Brogham paid his way into the stage with a gimmick, offering enough people 20 pound gift cards if they donate one pound to his campaign. <coughs> so, the listeners, um, politics, uh, awesome. This is something I would say that. If politics would be easy, everyone would have done this. It's not easy. It's very difficult. And you have to make problems, but you have to also win the trust of people. So whatever you say, people, they remember that. And with this trust, you basically, they give to the people. They give them the votes for these candidates. So it is also because, you know, it's a play of trust as well. And hope as well that they don't break this trust. Absolutely. It's difficult to understand, difficult to do. And after all, you are um, trying to run a country, you know, not just like your own household or anything or a region. It is f for the sake of the country. So it's it's not easy to run a whole country, you know, definitely. No, it's very, it's, it is very difficult. But, you know, His Holiness, but he has always said one thing that, you know, you if you want to rule a country, put your ego beside, right? Just don't look for yourself for your nation, look for the whole world. Yeah, mm -hmm. be as, uh, play a big role in that. Try to um, s uh, maintain peace f in the whole world. And this is very important because, especially in a day and age where we live, it is very important that people act with justice. This is one thing we can find in the Holy Quran as well, that when you are an authority, when when you, the officer is given to you, then rule with justice. And but. Meanwhile, it is also said to us, to the believer, that when we go for vote, we should vote with justice as well. Someone we think who can, who's able to run the office. Now, dear listeners, um, you know Russia is a country full of surprises. Now, it's not me who's saying this. It's the BBC. Now, people... In Russia, were shocked this summer after drones attacked the center of Moscow on several occasions, causing explosion and damage to buildings. Now then, the Russian rubble took an expected trample, tumble, sorry, 
briefly tipping on the dollar rate to over 100 rubles. Add to that, a failed mission to the moon, Russia's Luna 25 lander was lost in space, destroyed as it collided with Luna's surface last week. Now, today, as the news broke that Prigozhin's plane had fallen out of the sky, crashing in a fireball in Russia's region uh, called Tiber, most people were far from shocked. In fact, most Russians were proposing surprised it hadn't happened sooner. No speculation has been swirling from weeks in Russia about exactly what fate awaited Prigozhin. Exactly two months ago, the Wagner boss launched his brief maternity. Now we know what happened in that time after the rebellion was called off. Many thought Prigozhin's day were numbered. After all, the it was uh, significant that the significant humiliation for the Kremlin and President Putin isn't the kind of man to forgive and forget. Now, this is what BBC is saying. Now, the listeners around an hour after the crash, the Russian Federal Aviation Agency released a statement confirming that Prigozhin's name was on the passenger manifest. This is unusually quick because the agency is usually much slower to respond to such incidents that raised eyebrows here. Now, Russian state TV is keeping reporting of the incident to a minimum, quoting government officials with no comment. It is main evening news bulletin, and it is a Kremlin-controlled channel. One dedicated just 30 seconds to the story. Now, it is a well-known fact in Russia that state TV channels often wait until they receive official instruction regarding the tone of reporting. Now, as for the Wagner Group itself, Telegram channels linked to the group have claimed that Prigozhin was killed by Russia as a traitor. And... The Wagner headquarter in the city of St. Petersburg, a makeshift shrine was appeared. Images of Russian media shows people bringing flowers and candles to the Wagner Center. So I just want to give like a brief more information about, because this is all over the headlines, and I was hoping we would form, find more about India's success in the headline, but this is, is making the main headline now, today. So I just wanted to bring a brief introduction to this as well. Dear listeners, um, we will go for a short break, and after that break, we will discuss what Islam says about terrorism, what Islam says about peace, and we will talk about the character of Tawali Prophet, peace be upon him, and you will be surprised that the character of Tawali Prophet, of, of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessing of be upon him, is so nice that it could be, it could be said that he is basically the prophet of this age. The person we need for this day and age. So, dear listeners, it's, it is going to be very interesting um, and very informatic as well. Do us a favor, uh, please stay tuned with the Warsome Radio and join us after the break. With so many attacks on Islam and the Holy Prophet, وسلم, let's set the record straight. He was a man of peace. He went through 13 long years of persecution for his beliefs. He was mocked and ridiculed but he didn't retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he went to Taif to spread the message of Islam, he was pelted with stones until he was bleeding, yet he did not retaliate because he was a man of peace. When he migrated to Medina, he established the Charter of Medina, allowing the Jews, Christians and Muslims to live together in harmony with full religious freedom because he was a man of peace. And after all the oppression that he faced, when he returned to Mecca as a king, he had the right and the power to punish every single one of them. Yet he forgave them 
because he was a man of peace. The Holy Prophet said that no white man is superior to a black man, no Arab to a non-Arab. Rather, everyone is equal. He freed slaves and taught to treat them as brothers. He did all of this because he was sent as the Rahmatul Lil Alameen, a mercy for mankind. Indeed, the Holy Prophet was a true man of peace. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Life of Muhammad, peace be upon him. High moral qualities. Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was always very patient in adversity. He was never discouraged by adverse circumstances, nor did he permit any personal desire to get a hold over him. It has been related that his father had died before his birth and his mother died while he was still a little child. Up to the age of eight, he was in the guardianship of his grandfather, and after the latter's death, he was taken care of by his uncle, Abu Talib, both on account of natural affection and also because he had been specially admonished in that behalf by his father. Abu Talib always watched over his nephew with care and indulgence, but his wife was not affected by these considerations to the same degree. It often happened that she would distribute something among her own children, leaving out their little cousin. If Abu Talib chanced to come into the house on such an occasion, he would find his little nephew sitting apart, a perfect picture of dignity, and without a trace of sulkiness or grievance on his face. The uncle, yielding to the claims of affection and recognizing his responsibility, would run to the nephew, clasp him to his bosom and cry out, Do pay attention to this child of mine also. Do pay attention to this child of mine also. Such incidents were not uncommon, and those who were witnesses to them were unanimous in their testimony that the young Muhammad, peace be upon him, never gave any indication that he was in any way affected by them, or that he was in any sense jealous of his cousins. Later in life, when he was in a position to do so, he took upon himself the care and upbringing of two of his uncle's sons, Ali, peace be upon him, and Jafir, peace be upon him, and discharged this responsibility in the most excellent manner. The Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, throughout his life had to encounter a succession of bitter experiences. He was born an orphan, his mother died while he was still a small child, and he lost his grandfather at the age of eight years. After marriage, he had to bear the loss of several children, one after the other, and then his beloved and devoted wife, Khadija, died. Some of the wives he married after Khadija's death died during his lifetime, and towards the close of his life, he had to bear the loss of his son, Ibrahim. He bore all these losses and calamities cheerfully, and none of them affected in the least degree either his high resolve or the urbanity of his disposition. His private sorrows never found vent in public, and he always met everybody with a benign countenance and treated all alike with uniform benevolence. On one occasion, he observed a woman who had lost a child, occupied in loud mourning, over her child's grave. He admonished her to be patient and to accept God's will as supreme. The woman did not know that she was being addressed by the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and replied, If you had ever suffered the loss of a child as I have, 
you would have realized how difficult it is to be patient under such an affliction. The Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, observed, I have suffered the loss not of one but of seven children and passed on. Except when he referred to his own losses or misfortunes in this indirect manner, he never cared to dwell upon them, nor did he permit them in any manner to interfere with his unceasing service to mankind and his cheerful sharing of their burdens. Writings of the Promised Messiah a wonderful revelation was vouchsafed to me in Urdu in 1868 or 1869. It happened in this way. Molvi Abu Sayyid Muhammad Hussain of Batala, who had at one time been my fellow student, came back to Batala after completing his divinity studies. The people of Batala looked askance at him on account of some of his notions and ideas. One person was very insistent that I should debate a point in dispute with Molvi Muhammad Hussain. Yielding to his insistence, I accompanied this man in the evening to the home of Mulvi Muhammad Hussain and found him in the company of his father in the mosque. To summarize, upon hearing the explanation of Mulvi Muhammad Hussain, I concluded that there was nothing objectionable in his statement, and consequently, for the sake and pleasure of Allah, I declined to enter into debate with him. The same night, the revelation came to me from Allah the Noble with reference to my declining to enter into the debate. Tera khuda tere is fail se razi hua aur wo tujhe bahut barkat dega. Yahan tak ke badshah tere kapdon se barkat dhoonenge. Your God is well pleased with what you have done. He will bless you greatly, so much so that kings will seek blessings from your garments. Thereafter in a vision I was shown those kings. They were riding upon horses. Since my attitude of humility and lowliness was adopted purely for the sake of God and His Messenger وسلم, Allah the Perfect Benevolent did not desire to leave it unrewarded. Selections from the writings of the Promised Messiah upon whom be peace, the founder of the Ahmadiyya movement in Islam. Hearken ye who have ears to hear. What is it that Allah requires of you? Only that you should become His alone and set up no equal with him, neither on this earth nor in heaven. Our God is the one who is alive today as much as he ever was. Likewise, he speaks today as he did in the past. He hears as he used to hear. To think that he only listens but does not speak in this age is a vain belief. Indeed, he both hears and speaks. All his attributes are eternal and everlasting. None of his attributes were ever suspended, nor will they ever be. He is the same unique being who has no associate. He has neither son nor wife. And he is the same eternal being who is peerless, and there is none like unto him. There is no one similar to him in his attributes. None of his powers ever wane. He is near, yet far. Distant, yet close. He is the highest of the high. Yet it cannot be said that there is anyone below him farther than he. He is in heaven, but it cannot be said that he is not on earth. He combines in himself all the most perfect attributes and manifests the virtues which are truly worthy of praise. He is the fountainhead of all excellence. He is the all-powerful. Everything good originates from him, and to him all things return. All possessions belong to him. In him all excellences combine.
He is free from blemish, without weakness. He is unique in his rights to be worshipped by all who dwell on the earth or belong to heaven. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Breakfast Show. Before we went to, uh, for the break, we were saying that we will pay or we will discuss how we can pay tribute to the victim of terrorism. Right, Asim? So, dear listeners, in this segment, we will discuss terrorism, but we will also say how Islam, what Islam basically says about terrorism, and you will be surprised that Islam is a religion of peace and Islam is giving solution for this very dangerous thing which we are living, which we are living with, because terrorism is unfortunately happening in very, every part of the world, and Islam is giving a lot of solution, and we can find solution even from the life of Talib of me, uh, peace and blessings of Allah be on him, and of course, we can find extract from. The, the speeches from the addresses of His Holiness Hazrat Mizan Masood Ahmed May Allah be salam. But before we do so, Asim, would you tell us the gist of the story? Absolutely. So, International Day of Remembrance and Tribute to the Victims of Terrorism, which takes place on August 21 every year, is a day um, basically dedicated to remembering those lives um, that have been impacted by acts of terrorism. Some of them had to say goodbye to loved ones and many of them required financial and medical assistance. When the aftermath of a terrorist incident fades, victims of terrorism sometimes feel abandoned and forgotten. So that was the short uh, gist of the story. So, um, Asim, like, you know, terrorism. I remember when I was young, 9-11, I was a young Muslim who would go to school, who would live in the society, and no one would consider me as something like a terrorist, right? And suddenly, you know, these attack happened. Yeah. And me, you, everyone who calls himself a Muslim was considered as a terrorist. Our religion of Islam was considered as a, uh, as a terrorism religion who basically just spread hatred. This is what media, this is how media has portrayed Islam. Now for me, 9-11 is, was like a new time, era of a new time, which we thought, right? Before that, we had BC, AD, and then we had the 9-11. This is how it felt. Like, I remember when I went to school, the very next day, they thought that, they, you know, my classmates said, this is all your fault. This is all your fault. For what? I wasn't there. I didn't tell them to do that. My religion never told them to do that. We know for a fact, Asim, Islam is a religion who promotes peace. Or let's say, Islam is a religion who is based on peace. Its actual name is peace. Right, and it is telling us believers, members, listen, you need to promote peace, you need to show peace, any kind of peace, peace in your mind, peace should be visible as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, coming back to the topic, um, before we just carry on and talk about Islamic angle, awesome definition of terrorism. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll be disc- we will be discussing some definition of terrorism and 
also some key misconceptions. So terrorism both inside and outside in the United Kingdom is defined um, basically under the Terrorism Act of 2000 as the use or threat of one or more of the activities uh, mentioned, um, you know, uh, which I will mentioned um, to influence the, uh, the government or an international government body or to terrify the below and uh, sorry terrify the people so the use of threat uh, must also be used to further a political religious uh, racial or ideological ideological goal so uh, the specific actions are um serious violence against a person uh, severe property damage endangering a person's life um other than uh, the person committing the action uh, creating a severe risk to the health or, or, or safety of the general public or a segment of the uh, general public. Uh, an action designed to interfere with or seriously disrupt or an electronic system uh, seriously. So terrorism is defined as the use or threat of an action including the use of weapons or explosives uh, regardless of whether the action is intended to influence the government or an international governmental body or to terrify the public or a segment of the public. So some misconceptions are that um, uh, poverty is, is a driver of terrorism, foreign aid is an effective counter-terrorism policy for countries hosting terrorist groups, uh, greater immigration implies more transnational uh, uh, terrorism attacks at home, the promotion of uh, democracy curbs terrorism, and so on and so on. And also like uh, transnational terrorism poses a greater risk than domestic terrorism in Western uh, democracies. So these are some misconceptions um, which were published in a journal on, on 15 February 20, uh, 2022. Um, which highlighted the most the common myths of uh, terrorism. So, you know, um, Asim, let's put it straight. We live in a very dangerous time. We have war in Ukraine. There are 26 places in this world where war is basically happening. That is crazy. And this is 2023 I'm talking about. Just this year, 22 yes, places. Yes, ju just this year. And this year has not ended yet. And um, what is what we see is that people basically play with the feeling of others. We have seen in Sweden, right? People are burning the Holy Quran, the yeah. most yeah. holiest book for Muslim, and it is basically done in the name of freedom of speech. So you, basically, uh, you you can do uh, whatever you want, like. It is not stopping you to hurt, to hurt the feeling of other people, or basically only to uh, you hurt the feeling of Muslim, because for a fact, if it comes to Islam, it is freedom of speech. But dear listeners, if it comes to other religion, for example, Judaism, it is anti-Semitism. I mean, anti-Semitism. So. Why is this? Why is that this? Um, why is this like different? Why? Where does this come from? Why can't we have the same rights like the others as well? We want like we know what happened um, 
uh, what happened? We know what happened during the Second World War, right? And we we know what happened to the Jew, Jewish uh, community in Germany. This is like story we know all about. We have read it all about. Now, it it kind of happening here as well. Now we see this every time. Like, and uh, Asim, you and me, we were brought up in this society, right? And uh, I have friends from uh, different faith. They never had like showed any. Uh, like they never, they never, they were never scared of me. I I lived life as a Muslim all the time. They knew that I would pray five times a day. They would knew that I read the Quran. I fast during the month of Ramadan, etc. But um, this is what you know. This is what we see. So I just want to you know. I just want to bring out that Islam. You know, I want to point. I point out that Islam is is basically promoting peace. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And Islam has. Uh, even the, the teachings of Islam if you just look you know just just have a look on the teachings of Islam like there are a few valid teachings like for example right the Holy Prophet people upon him when he he you see we know from the history those people who have read the history they know that the Holy Prophet people upon him he went through difficulties uh, and um Throughout the last, like throughout his years as a prophet, he only saw difficulties. His life was in danger. Now we know for thirteen years in Mecca, that time was dangerous for them as well. Yet he never like had the desire to take any revenge. He basically forgave everyone, right? The reason I'm pointing out this is because Islam is the religion of peace. Islam is promoting peace in every aspect and this is what we can see from the life of Tali Prophet peace be upon him as well um, Asim now we also want to talk about this very important day about the International Day of Remembrance of and Tribute to the Victims of Terrorism um, can you just highlight a few aspects of that day absolutely so the United Nations uh, General Assembly proclaimed that uh, August 21 uh, as the International Day of Remembrance and Tribute to Terrorism Victims in 2017 uh, with the objective of honoring and assisting terrorist victims which also uh, promoting and preserving their human rights and basic freedoms. Uh, so uh, as requested by the General Assembly, UN General Antonio uh, Guterres delivered his report on the progress of the UN system to support members um, st- uh, states in aiding victims of terrorism in April 2020. So according to the global uh, counter-terrorism strategy, uh, one of the uh, conditions that spread terrorism is dehumanizations of victims, which uh, you know unanimously adopted a resolution on September 8, uh, 2008, stating that the most effective way to tackle this is to take measures which safeguard human dignity and ho- uphold the rule of law. So since the sixth evaluation in 2018, events at the international, regional and national levels have uh, gradually demonstrated that victims uh, have, uh, you know, evolved beyond symbolic solidarity to a more active involvement to advocate their rights and demands. So this is... Uh, you know, evidenced by the established of a group of friends of terrorists 
uh, victims in 2019, <coughs> excuse me, and led by the permanent representatives of Afghanistan and Spain to the United Nations, as well as uh, General Assembly resolution on, on, you know, improving international collaboration to assist terrorist victims. So the seventh review resolution issued on um, June 30, 2021, emphasizes that the significance of preserving the rights and fulfilling the needs of terrorist victims, notable women, children, and those wounded by sexual and gender-based vict- uh, violence by terrorists. So, um, the awesome, like, uh, how can we basically pay tribute to those victims? So, basically, um, there are three ways in which we can pay our tribute to the victims and observe this day. Uh, make an effort to educate oneself and that has to be number one which is you know while the common individual lacks the abilities uh, needed to avoid uh, terrorist activities you may help by seeking to basically understand and tolerate others who are different from you understanding one uh, another may go along uh, you know may go a long way towards decreasing um, animosity across races and religions also oppose and remember the victims of terrorism consider paying tribute to people who passed away due to terrorist uh, acts worldwide uh, donate to humanitarian organization that aid victims of terrorist attacks and also basically we could raise awareness so these are the ways which we can pay tribute to our victims and uh, this day is of course very important but what benefit does it serve Yes, so it honors, uh, you know, the victims of terrorism. Uh, this day was established to honor and remember terrorist victims and survivors. It offers assistance to survivors, which is important, express com- compassion and aid to terrorist victims, and to basically establish solidarity with them. It also enlightens um, the general public, raising awareness of fundamental Uh, liberties and human rights as well as promoting and protecting them and so yeah so this was uh, some important benefits but i think like asim like um this topic has been addressed many times by muslims as well especially you know his holiness he emphasized on the topic as well definitely yeah he, he went to many many places and he addressed these things And uh, I think our listeners would know what he basically said. Definitely. So um, he he states once that people must realize that words can have have a far-reaching consequences. And so rather than speaking of a clash of civilizations or needlessly ratcheting upon tensions between different communities, people should refrain from attacking attacking the religious teachings of one another let us all irrespective of our differences join together and work with the spirit of mutual respect tolerance and affection for the peace of the world and to promote freedom of belief so this was as Sali was mentioning at the beginning you know um, if you are a leader um, we should uh, you know you should try to make peace in the world and not just um, be selfish you know or attack different religions we should all unite and be together no that's definitely this is what you know this is what Islam basically is saying that <clears throat> come sit together form a peaceful society because 
discuss these things which we share. Why just don't discuss these things which we don't have in between? And if you're just discussing nothing which we have all together, we see that there are more things we have in common. And uh, this is what uh, this is how we can build the society. You know, Islam is a religion. Islam is basically, you know, listen, Islam is basically a very beautiful religion. Islam is basically telling you or promoting even that whenever you see any danger or when you see a person in uh, in danger, then as a Muslim, you should go and you should remove that danger. You should help that person. Regardless from faith or from race, Islam, you know, this is what Islam has always said. This is what Islam has always highlighted, right? For example, you know, now we see, we have seen like, um, now whatever happened in the world, right? Wars against Islamic countries, doesn't matter. Islam always says that forgive. Now I just was talking about previously about the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Yes, yeah. Now, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, this is very interesting, yes? 13 years of cruel cruelty he went he went through cruelty he had to see danger um the listeners like i just want to like uh, um, present what had basically happened because we as md muslim we follow and we live by the teachings which were brought by the Holy prophet peace upon him no it is those teachings who make us understand to show compassion and to promote this as well no, we follow the historic uh, example of and kindness of our beloved master, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Now, what happened is then, after years of facing the most bitter and horrific cruelty and persecution, he was able to return victoriously into Mecca, which was his birthplace. The place which he has to leave because of the cruelty he had witnessed, he has seen by the people of Mecca. Because for years, he and his followers, the Elisabeth, were prevented access to even the most basic necessities, such as food and water. And so they spent many days at a time suffering into a state of starvation. Now, the Elisabeth, many of his followers were attacked and some were killed in the most barbaric and merciless manner, which, which we can't even imagine. Yes, even elderly Muslims, Muslim women, Muslim children were not spared. So... Rather to you know to um, take revenge, when the Holy Prophet peace be upon him returned victorious to Mecca, he forgave everyone. You know he he proclaimed that there shall be no punishment upon any of you for I've forgiven you all. Now I'm a messenger of love and peace. I have the greatest knowledge of Allah's attribute of being a source of peace. He is the one who gives peace. Thus, I forgive you all of your past transgressions and I give you a guarantee of peace and security. No, you are free to remain in Makkah and to freely practice religion. No one will be compelled or forced in any way. Now, this is the biggest example of showing mercy, showing peace all to people, to your own enemy. That even though he could have taken, he had the opportunity to take revenge for all his cruelty, he has witnessed by these people. But yet, he followed the Islamic teaching. Not followed it, he also showed us how to do it. He taught us how to um, live according to these Islamic teachings. And, uh, you know, this is an example, one of the biggest examples I can give you 
from the character of Tawali Prophet, this is Islam basically, dear listeners. Islam promotes peace. Islam always was looking for removal of dangerous things. You know, um, for example, you know, people say terrorism in Islam, terrorism in Islam is because the Holy Prophet people wouldn't teach that. Yes, because he forced people into the Islamic religion through, ter- through um, yeah, through terrorism. Like he basically forced them and told them you have to follow. But Allah has said, and if thy Lord had enforced His will, surely all who are in the earth would have believed together. While though then forced men to become believers. Now, dear listeners, this is from chapter 10, verse 100. And you could see that Allah states clearly that as the possessor of all powers, He could easily force all people to adopt the same religion. However, He has instead given the people of the world the freedom to choose, to believe or not to believe. And this is what the Holy Prophet was told as well. And that's why He never, never forced anyone into the Islamic religion. You know, we remember um, the Pope, the previous Pope, when uh, he said years ago that Islam was spread by sword, which is a total lie. Islam says there should be no compulsion into religion. And Islam basically has highlighted that as well. Do listen... Now, for example, you know, we talk about terrorism, we talk about the victims. Even, you know, about people who had gone to danger, who had gone to difficulties, Islam has always said, even they believe or not believe, even if they are your enemy, we could can see from the life of Tawali Prophet, peace be upon him, when people were in danger, when people needed help, when people have seen injustice, even if they were the, the enemy of Islam, Tawali Prophet, peace be upon him, always showed compassion to these people. Definitely, yeah. And he, to be honest, dear listen, if you study the life of the Holy people upon him, he is a champion of peace. And this is why, if we just follow the Islamic teachings, terrorism would come to an end. Absolutely, definitely, yeah. And Islam has always like looked after the victims of these people as well and told us to do so as well, to help them through difficulties as well. Yes, absolutely. So in Islam, you know, uh, every effort is made to protect the peace of you know not only the muslims but also the followers of others other faiths uh, allah the almighty says that if and if allah did not defend some men uh, by means of others they would surely have pulled down uh, monasteries churches synagogues and mosques wherein the name of allah is often remembered that's chapter 22 verse 41 so we can see that islam just not only protects uh, just the Muslims, it also wants to uh, protect other religions as well. Indeed, it is. Um, dear listeners, we will uh, we coming to the hour, which means we will go for the news break. But we will be back after the news break, uh, and we will discuss this segment further on as well. If you want to be a part of the show, you can call in. The number is oh two eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or you can go on our social at Voice of Islam UK. Um, as I said, we will be going for the break. Do us me a favor, stay tuned with Voice of Some Radio. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to Voice of Islam Radio. We were discussing about terrorism, we were discussing about 
Islam, peaceful Islamic teaching. Um, we also let's also discuss how Islam basically told us how to treat victims. But be, before we do so, we have um, one clip to play, which is from His Holiness the Fourth Caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community. Do enjoy the clip, and we will see us after the clip. Now let us grant him whatever he claims. Everything granted. So outside religion, if there is a peace, then it should be acceptable this... No one has the right to force others into complying with their demands or compelling others to follow their own line of thinking. Indeed, God Almighty has laid down principles in the Holy Quran for warfare as well. Defensive warfare, that is. The most fundamental of which can be found in chapter 22, verses 40 to 41, in which permission is granted to Muslims to retaliate against unprovoked attacks against those people who have waged war against Islam. And so Muslims are permitted only to, only to fight so that religious freedom for, for all faiths can be established. Now these verses, in these verses God says that if permission was not granted to retaliate, and if God did, did not repel some men by means of others, then cloisters and churches and synagogues and mosques would all be demolished. Now notice here that God Almighty mentions the demolition of mosques only after the demolition of cloisters and churches and synagogues. This is because freedom of religion for other faiths is equally if not more so dear to Islam and Muslims as their own freedom. A second thing to point out in these verses is that Muslims were not commanded to fight, they were permitted to fight. And permissibility of a thing does not imply desirability. Islam does not wish to thrust its adherence into war. But considering that at times in human history there has been no other um, option but to fight in self-defense, this is why permission was granted. And then it was encouraged so that freedom of religion for all religions could be established. So now considering these principles of freedom of religion, it must be known that a terrorist who is about to carry out a suicide bombing, for example, does not, carry, does not embark upon his mission because of something that's written in the Holy Quran. This is not what happens. He embarks upon his mission in spite of what is written in the Holy Quran. And if members of these terrorist organizations actually open up the Holy Quran sincerely trying to understand its true teachings, they would find numerous verses that speak about and that spell out Islam's response to the rise of global terrorist organizations. For example, in chapter 18, verse 30, Allah says to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that say to the world that the truth has come from your Lord. And yet everybody is given the right to accept it or to reject it. In chapter 10, verse 100, it states that if Allah had so desired, He would enforce His will and everybody upon the face of the earth would be a Muslim. And yet this is not the case because everybody has the freedom of choice. In chapter 16, verse 91, the Holy Quran states that verily Allah enjoins justice and the doing of good to others. In chapter 5, verse 9, Allah instructs Muslims regarding the state of war, saying again, be, act fairly and with justice. And let not the enmity of a people incite you to act otherwise than with justice. Be just because that is closer to righteousness. In chapter 41, verse 35, Muslims are actually taught how to handle situations that eventually escalate into violence. The Quran states that good and evil are not alike. So repel evil with that which is best. This way, that person between whom there was any sort of enmity will become as though he were a warm friend. In chapter 4, verse 20, Boko Haram militants will be interested to find that God Almighty Himself states that it is unlawful for you to inherit women against their will, nor should you arrest them, nor should you capture them. 
In chapter 5 verse 33, Allah the Almighty states that killing just one innocent person, a person who has not committed murder, nor a person who has created any disorder within the land, is equivalent to killing all of mankind. Now furthermore, furthermore, let's take a look at the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him's rules of war. The Holy Prophet peace be upon him taught that if Muslims were ever to engage in warfare, if Muslims were ever to go to war, then he said, don't cut a tree, don't kill a woman, don't kill a child, don't kill a sick person, don't kill an old person, don't kill a monk or a priest, don't demolish churches or synagogues or temples, don't demolish any buildings. Don't even kill animals except for eating. Don't kill those people who surrender. Don't kill those people who run away. Be, be good and just to the prisoners. And above all, do not enforce Islam. So now you may be wondering that if all of what I've just recited is in fact the true teachings of this religion of Islam, then why is it that global terrorist organizations act in contrast and in conflict to these teachings? The simple answer to this is that they seek to fulfill their worldly and political interests. Their goals are not spiritual, their goals are not religious, and their motives and objectives have nothing to do with religion at all, especially not the religion of Islam, which means peace. Dear listeners, welcome back. You just listened to a clip by, um, given by Azaz Khan, missionary from Canada. Um, dear listeners, I said like we will discuss victims how we Islam basically told us to look after the victims um, Asim there's one this very particular there are many many verses the many many aspects but because of short of time I will present only one verse yes it's from chapter 5 verse 9 where Allah says O ye who believe be steadfast in the cause of Allah bearing witness in equity and let not a people's enmity inside you to act otherwise than with justice. Be always just that is near to righteousness and fear Allah. Surely Allah is aware of what you do. So this a, basically this is a teaching of peace in society. Never depart from justice even for your enemy. And we see from the early Islam that when the enemy came and Muslim were basically victim. But in a time when the enemy needed something, when they were the victim, Islam would help them. So, and this is what Islam and what teaching of Islam basically are. This is what His Holiness has many, many times highlighted as well that it is us who need to show justice towards these people, and it is us who needs to look after these people and to show the mercy because God Himself has described Himself as merciful. And he always wanted us to show do the same as well. So, in 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 regards of gaining Allah's pleasure, it is also important that we follow the attributes of Allah. And one other attribute he have is salam, which is the source of peace, which uh, which I just mentioned before as well. So again, someone, awesome, right? For someone who just wants the pleasure of Allah, and as as a believer, as a Muslim, you always want the pleasure of Allah. So what would you do? You would also follow this particular attribute of salam, which again is source of peace. And you will try with this attribute, would help those people, those victims who have gone through this very difficult day, difficult timings, or who have seen terrorism with their own eyes. Absolutely, and also help um, them by raising awareness, educating ourselves that uh, this is not the right way and 
um, to educate ourselves that uh, we sh- this shouldn't happen again. Also, as I mentioned, that you know, uh, donating to humanitarian organizations that actually help these victims of uh, terrorist attacks, and you know, um, also paying tribute to people who passed away. So these are some ways which we can help and um, pay tribute to the victims. Exactly, and this is like this is how like to be honest, um, awesome. Uh, we do spend blood. Sorry, we do yes. We do uh, give blood to people. We do uh, we do uh, help people. We we contribute towards mankind. For us, who believe in Allah, it is not just enough to believe in Him. He says, "Fulfill my rights." Yes, believing in Him, f- uh, following His teaching. But He said, "And fulfill the rights of my creation as well." Absolutely. Yeah. And one rights how you can fulfill that is looking after the victims, of of victims for of any kind of victims. You see. Especially for victims who have seen like um, these horrific incidents with their own eyes, and this is very important. This is what Islam has always highlighted as well. In regards, dear listeners, if you want to find Allah, if you're looking for God, this is this topic we also this will discuss and after the short break. But if you're looking for God, you need to fulfill the rights of His creation as well, which is looking after them and show justice and mercy towards them as well dear listeners we will go for a short break and after that we will be back with the second segment if you want to contribute to the show you can do so anytime the number is 0208-687-7878 or you can contact us on our social at Voice of Islam UK um, stay tuned with Voice of Islam Radio we will be back after the break Writings of the Promised Messiah Salam. when you stand up in prayer you should know it for certain that your God has the power to do all that he wills, then your prayer will be accepted and you will behold the wonders of God's power that we have beheld. Our testimony is based on seeing and is not a mere tale. How should the supplication of a person be accepted and how should he have the courage to pray at the time of great difficulties when according to him, He is opposed by the law of nature unless he believes that God has power over everything. You should not be like that. Your God is one who has suspended numberless stars without any support and who has created heaven and earth from nothing. And would you think so ill of him as to imagine that your objective is beyond his power? Such thinking will frustrate you. Our God possesses numberless wonders, but only those observe them who become holy His with certainty and fidelity. He does not disclose His powers to those who do not believe in His powers and are not faithful to Him. I'm 
أشهد أن محمدا You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Dear listeners, welcome back to Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to Breakfast Show. We have discussed the first topic about terrorism and how what Islam says, how to treat victims. Now we're coming to another very important topic, dear listeners. It is about God. Why is it that here in the UK, fewer people are believing in God? Um, Asim. So uh, the gist of the story is that um, people in the UK are less likely to believe in God than the people of almost uh, any other country in the world. A new study suggests that uh, belief in God among UK adults has declined by more than one quarter since the 1980s. It, it, it finds but belief in life after death and belief in hell has remained almost unchanged in those four decades. So this is very, you know, as as a religion, Raymondism religion, you always promote you or promote you to believe in God, because without that being, you are basically lost. And uh, this is something you know, uh, it's a very critical topic. A lot of people are getting away from that, and I wanted to discuss this. And uh, dear listeners, I'm very delighted to say that we have with us uh, the Imam Ibrahim Nonan from Ireland who's going to be with us for the whole segment and we will discuss these things with him um, Imam Ibrahim Nonan uh, good morning and welcome to the Big for Show Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh thank you for having me thank you for coming again Imam uh, Ibrahim Nonan I mean this is as I said it's a topic everyone uh, has talked about this maybe probably many times but you have lived here in the past in the UK as well, and you have been here in the uh, like in the present time. You have been here quite often as well. Um, do you think like people now people are getting away from God? Do you think in the past it was still the same as well, or has it changed? Yes, I mean I would say that um, certainly um, in the last twenty years or more that I've uh, observed here in Ireland and and indeed in the United Kingdom. And when I was living there, um, and particularly, I could say more specifically, um, I remember that Ireland of uh, let's say 35, 40 years ago, which was a very religious, deeply religious, religious society, where um, I still remember being a young man at that time, very young. I mean, in my teens where I would say that most of everybody that was around me would have been a person believing in the existence of a divine being um, and trusting in that divine being. And that became obvious through the practice of their faith, going to church, confession, participating in the sacraments, things like that. Now, in these days, I would say the majority are away from all that. They they don't 
seem to um, have that same, uh, I suppose you could use the word God-realization anymore. They're just simply living their life in another way, um, looking for other um, other avenues to, to, to spirituality. So I would say yes. Um, many people today, more so in the United Kingdom, um, in the Ireland still are holding on to something. But more so in the United Kingdom and other countries, uh, they would seem to be completely oblivious to the concept or the idea of a of a of a god or a divine being, whatever you, term you want to give it. No, Ibrahim, no, like, um, f from like as I said, also awesome as well for us. We are brought up in the Islamic religion. We were told we have uh, to believe in God. There are no many, many people who have said that they have witnessed God. How can, like, how is it possible that, because it is always said that you can't see God with your eyes. Are there other means to see God? <laughs> uh, you know, I would say that, uh, yes, 100%, there are other ways to see the existence of God Almighty to see the existence of a, a divine entity. One of the most simplest ways for me to, to see God Almighty, uh, and this is a simple example of, of so many examples that can be given, is just looking at creation and nature and uh, the wonderful, magnificent things we observe around us in nature. Like a simple, simple flower, as an example, or the honeybee. As an example, I mean these are these are small examples of um, how can you deny such uh, complicated, complex creation? Like, and I say complex because the flower is not something that just comes by itself. A flower has a particular perfume, color, fragrance. It even has healing elements in it, and the same for the honeybee. Um, we all know now in modern times that uh, honey is, is something which can cure you. So these are small examples, but other ways, is, of course, is when you witness and when you experience his existence. Um, and you have to be open uh, to that uh, realization. Now, for example, I'll just give you an example now. Um, I remember... Uh, must have been um, maybe two years ago. Um, I was sitting on a table with my with my uh, children. I mean, I say children of one of young adults now, and they had friends over uh, in our home and uh, from university, and college, etc. And there was uh, uh, you know one young lady amongst them who who are, I don't want you I don't want to use the word unfortunately, but I mean what I mean by that is that she um, you know um, was expecting a child and she was not married. Um, so there was a, a huge discussion on the table. Uh, they were they were having as young adults, they were having this conversation about life. So I was sitting amongst them and one of the things that came in that discussion Uh, from uh, my children's uh, friends was actually does God exist and how do we know that he exists and while I was sitting there um, I was looking at all of them thinking to myself you know here I am a man a missionary an imam 
of Hazrat Misim al-Islam of the Holy Prophet So I turned around um, to all of them because obviously they were discussing so many things. And one of the things they were discussing was about this coming of this uh, child to be born. Uh, so I turned around and I said, because um, they were asking, they were wondering what the child would be, etc., etc. So I turned around and I said, I will tell you tomorrow. And everyone on that table went completely quiet. And my son, my daughter, and my other son looked at me and said, Dad, you know, what are you doing? Right now, don't get me wrong, my children absolutely alhamdulillah believe in the existence of Allah. But because they had friends around who were not necessarily religious, so they didn't want to overly kind of uh, offend them. So I turned around and said, no, I will tell you tomorrow. I will tell you tomorrow what this child will be. That's my fate. I will tell you tomorrow. Hmm. And uh, alhamdulillah, that night, I prayed very hard on my Allah to give me some guidance regarding this child. And I was told by that, that same night by Allah Almighty that that child would be a girl and it would have beautiful piercing blue eyes. Right? Mm-hmm. So the next day I told, I told um, my children and their friends mm-hmm. who were staying over that inshallah you will have a daughter. Interesting. Right? And that now, uh, nine months later, that child was born, a daughter with beautiful piercing blue eyes. So, uh, what I'm trying to demonstrate here, and I'm not unique in this, by the way, many mm. people have, have, you know, what I'm trying to show you, uh, sh- show our listeners, is that one of the ways of, of realizing and recognizing the existence of God Almighty is to communication, is actually praying to Him and for Him accepting your prayers. And uh, so what more could I demonstrate to this person the existence of God? Um, so this is one way Hmm. one can recognize God by actually reaching out to him mm-hmm. uh, to that divine being whether you want to call it Allah whether you want to call it him Theos or mm-hmm. Elohim or Yahweh whatever words you want to ascribe to him but this is one way of actually uh, recognizing um, the existence of God um, you know, we live in our own reality of time and space here in this reality but Allah Almighty lives in another island outside us, which is not, uh, which is not, um, you know, confined to space and time. So, I mean, this is one way. Uh, creation, looking at creation, looking at the beautiful things around us. It's impossible for any person, man or woman, young or old, or physically mature adults, who cannot appreciate the beauty of this world. Um, alongside, unfortunately, the horribleness of this world. When I mean by that, I mean world wars, wars and stuff like that, famines, etc. But other than that, how can anyone deny the existence of a creation of a divine being when they look at creation? Hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Thank you very much. So, uh, Imam Ibrahim Nunan, um, do you believe that there is a, a disadvantage to losing faith in a creator? And do you see that such consequences in today's uh, reality? Sorry, could you ask the question again? So do you believe there's a disadvantage to losing a faith in a creator? Um, do you also see that uh, such consequences, uh, do you see any consequences in today's uh, reality? So what are the disadvantages in losing a, a, a faith in a creator? You mean the advantages of believing in God Almighty? 
he's basically asking are there any disadvantages if someone stopped believing in God oh sorry apologies apologies um, yes there is um, when you cease to believe in God Almighty um, what you will find will happen to you in your life in my opinion at least is you become detached from reality um, and therefore when you become detached from reality um, you start to have eventually maybe not straight away eventually negative it will have a negative impact upon your life. Now, what that means is mm-hmm. you will give up on hope. You will give up on any hope whatsoever when you go so when you go through some trials and difficulties in your life. You will start developing anxiety. You will start developing uncertainty. You will start developing all sorts of negative um, impacts in your life because you have nothing to hold on to. So, for example, unfortunately, these lot of people who commit suicide or end their lives because they have nothing to hold on to. They don't see where there is hope. But a person who believes in the divine, that believes in a divine creator, um, always has that, um, as it's described in the Holy Quran, uh, holding on to the rope of Allah, always has that rope to hold on to, to, to keep tight holding it very tight knowing that um, there's something better coming around the corner and that is by trusting in that reality of that divine being as in the existence of that divine being so yes I do think when people move away from God Almighty I see it all around me all the time I see it in my own family when I mean my own family I mean my family who are not Muslims hmm. I see it all the time in their lives I see them suffering very badly. Um, they're going through turmoil, they're going through difficulties, not realizing that, oh, you know, it's because they're not, they've given up on the belief of the existence of God Almighty. So yes, I think there's a huge disadvantage in not believing in, in, in I, don't, I don't use the word in something, but not believing in a creator, not believing in an in intelligent, in, um, divine being, um, an intelligent being at least that has created everything um, yes I do think there's a huge disadvantage to uh, not believing in God Imam Noonan um, it is said that in Islam that you need to fulfill the rights of God and then you need to fulfill the rights of his creation as well now if you don't believe if someone doesn't believe in Allah is it also harmful for this whole society like if, for example um for, for example, um, Allah told me, uh, listen, uh, when, if you want to believe in me, then do good de- deeds towards my creation as well. But if I say, listen, I don't believe in you, um, and uh, um, so I, this doesn't mean that I don't have to, like, doesn't mean really that this is harmful for society because then eventually I won't do any service to his creation as well. Eventually I won't have any compassion for his creation as well. So do you think that people who are getting away from God, this could be caused more and more disadvantage in the society as well? Yes, of course. It's, it's without doubt. Um, because what happens to you is you become detached from, again, I use this word reality. Become you become detached of any form of empathy for any other human being, any other person whatsoever. You, for example, you may see people suffering all around you, or you know, and, and you just don't care about them. You you will see to yourself that it's not my responsibility. That's your problem. 
you know, keep away from me. I mean, I don't know you. What, what do you want from me? I have my own issues. So, uh, yes, I think the fabric of society, uh, a person who has that concept, um, who doesn't believe in the existence of the divine being, or doesn't believe that they have any uh, accountability, um, will not care about other than him. Now, there will be those, there'll be those who do, and those who do, to be very honest with you, those people who do have um, some empathy towards other human beings, it is because deep down within their inner consciousness, deep down within their heart, they are still holding on to these um, beautiful moral ethics mm. and principles, which, which comes from, at one point, believing in something. That's my absolute belief. Whether that's, whether that's been passed down to your family, and we come from a religious family, um, it is passed on to you, definitely. So if you believe, yes, I've seen it, I've seen it myself, I've seen, um, I've seen people, I've, I've spoken to people who don't want and who don't care about other human beings. They don't, they're not worried about the suffering of another person. They don't see it as their responsibility. And that is because they've, they've entered another world of absolute abyss of darkness of care mm. for anyone. Mm. Um, so yes, I absolutely believe that. I mean, um, look at the suffering we're seeing around the world right now, and people are just walking around in society, especially in the Western world, and possibly in the Eastern world as well, but let's say my observation here, mm. is they, 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 they have completely detached themselves from anything else. And so, yes, that is because a person... Uh, let me give you this to you. I can only give the example of, of the Irish people, because obviously I'm Irish, but... Mm. I was just funny enough talking about this a few days ago, maybe a week ago. Um, two Jamia students came to us in Ireland for a week, two weeks, and we were showing them around. We brought them to a place called Knock, which is a which is a pilgrimage for most Catholic people. I wanted them to experience this uh, this uh, deep religiousness of the of the Catholics. And one of the things that that um, uh, was very noticeable was the kindness of everyone that we met. Um, and the reason that kindness was there was because of their belief in God. Their, their belief in a divine being. And therefore, they see their teaching as a way of expressing their kindness as we do within Islam. So, mm. if you are detached from God, you don't believe in God, you don't believe in his existence, then that beautiful characteristic of kindness, of empathy, will slowly uh, disappear or dry up. Because you you, you won't have any uh, purpose to be kind to someone. You, you just won't. You become selfish. You become greedy. You become just looking after yourself and nobody else. And yes, so I think, um, you know, believing in God's helps you become a better human being. Not believing in God, actually, you actually you cease to be a human being, to be honest. You're, you're just some other type of creation. Hmm. Now, Ibrahim, does this mean that because you said like believing not in God means that we don't show we won't, most probably people won't show compassion to his creation as well. Does this mean that because we see wars happening now around every corner of the earth, is this one of the main causes then? The main reason because people losing yes. hope. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, 
just you just have to just take us take a look what's happening uh, with Russia and Ukraine, mm-hmm. and 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 take a look at the so-called. Uh, you know, what's happening? The so-called governments of human society, Western society, hmm. who are totally detached uh, from reality. There's their greediness which is going on, and knowing they know that they're causing suffering, they know they're causing harm, yet they know they're causing um, all forms, all forms of evil upon society. And like, for example. Um, when we see injustice has been done by governments, by nations, knowingly knowing that they're doing something which is wrong, which is, uh, you know, they're, they're taking the life of innocent civilians to this war. And there's no sense of accountability on their behalf. Now, that's first sign they have no concept of God whatsoever. Because any human being, any decent human being, who believes in a divine being, whether you're a Christian or a Jew or, or, or a Muslim, you will always, always have that sense of mercy, sense of compassion, sense of of the need to help other human beings. And therefore, your your sense of justice will hold you back um, in the, creating any, um, you know, chaos in the world. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe you, you're... You, too young to remember this, but um, I mean, I'm certainly was young enough as well at that time. But if you have ever watched any of the addresses of President Reagan of the United States, no, and you ever watch any of his addresses, no. he believed in God, and you could see this in his thoughts. You could see his sense of justice. Mm. Right? That's gone. That's gone from most politicians. Mm. That's if, if that if every politician really believes in the existence of God, really believed in the existence of God, then it is impossible, in my opinion, it should be impossible for them not to do everything in the part of human suffering. So, for me, um, this is evidence of, in society today, hmm. where especially from those, that, those who are in authority, uh, which are creating this chaos and havoc and suffering upon humankind. And uh, as you know, He's holding us have a Khalifa the sixth helper, that openly, openly and clearly last ten years, fifteen years, mm. have pointed this out to, to the uh, you know, the officials of the world that um you know, if you if you don't come towards God, uh, towards God Almighty, this is what's going to be the end result. And that's what we're seeing in society right now. There's no there's no it's just like another world. It's just God is not. It doesn't exist in, in in there. So basically, you give it. Basically, you just give it a solution then for to get rid of from this society we're living right now, from this dangerous society. The only th- solution is then is basically God. Yes, it, it's it's so for me. It, it's so crystal clear. Hmm. Um, if every human being. Let's put another. If every leader, hmm. world leader, hmm. religious leader, were to uh, truly act upon what they believe in, if they believe in God, and act upon it every possible way, 
we would look in, we would look, we would see a completely different world. We would, we would, we would be living in a different world. But because they've moved away from God, God no longer is an important aspect of their lives. Um, so therefore, you know, the, what they're, what they're, they're, they're incapable of acting upon justice. They're incapable of acting upon kindness, of mercy, of, um, of compassion. It's impossible. How can, how can, for example, as an example, and, and I say this, and I don't mean, and I, forgive me for saying this, now, it's not any political opinion, but how can a, any part of human society watch the plight of the Palestinians, for an example? I mean, how is it possible that no, that any human being cannot be affected by that? Or what's happened in Yemen? Or what's happening in Ukraine? Or anywhere in the world? It's impossible for a person who believes in God not to be affected by the human suffering. And um, so when you're not affected by the human suffering, it means you're dead with inside. It means you're, you're, you're just a physical body walking around. So by believing in God, by coming towards God Almighty, by believing in a divine being, you will first start developing uh, a sense of uh, compassion towards your fellow human being. And as you elevate your spirituality, you will start to want to do something about that, even if it's only offering prayers for other human beings. And then if it's only offering a small donation here and there, helping other human beings, um, then you will find that that goodness in the world will, will, will become greater and, and it will spread, hopefully it would spread like wildfire. And then the greater part of society would be helping each other and, and only because of their belief in God. And definitely really amazing points and it is the sad reality so imam ibrahim Nunan, uh, as we know you are, are a convert uh, would you want to tell to our listeners that um what did you see in god that um, basically made you uh, convert to amdiyah amdiyah muslim what i saw in that god which islam was presenting or showing was that God which I was crying out for for many years. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, funny enough, you just reminded me of something. When I was 14 years old, I was observing at that time um, in Somalia, uh, I think it was Somalia, that there was a huge famine going on. And throughout the whole of the Irish Uh, national TV networks. Every day we were watching and being told about the suffering of these people in Somalia and, and surrounding areas. And I remember asking my father at that time that if God exists and if Jesus is God, why is he keeping quiet? Why is he not talking? Why is he not telling us humanity? Why is he not rebuking us? Why is he allowing this suffering Uh, to happen. My father turned around and said to me, you know, it's a, you know, we don't have the answers to that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a form of mystery. And I couldn't accept that. I, I, I couldn't believe that if there was a divine being, how is it possible that he remains quiet in, in, in the midst of all um, 
what I was as a 14-year-old 14-year-old observing and watching. So when I came across Islam, and then more more particularly within the Ahmadiyya, Ahmadiyya uh, true Islam interpretation of, of Islam, the correct thing, which is, well, the living God was a God that was speaking to mankind even now, that he was still talking, but he was talking through the prophets. He was talking through divine revelation. He was talking through the successors of the prophets. So in our time, I was very moved, very emotionally moved to find that he was talking today to the Khalafat, to the to the to the Hazrat Musim al Islam again, once again, and particularly and particularly Hazrat Musim al Islam, because here we had a man, a human being, who was proclaiming to be that divine vessel, that anointed person of God Almighty, once again reminding humankind that you're moving away from God Almighty, you're moving away from compassion and mercy and care, etc., etc., and you have to return this way. So for me. That's what I saw, the very divine being that I believed in as a young child, as a young Irish Catholic child who believed, yes, God exists. I had no doubt in his existence. But I had, why was he quiet? What I found out was that he wasn't quiet. He continued to speak. He continued to communicate. He continued to intervene in human society through the prophets and through their successors, which is the, the Khalafat, the, the Khalafa in our time, which is Khalafat. And today, he's speaking today. We hear him every Friday on the khutbah when his appointed Khalifa is guiding us through his divine word, which is the Qur'an, through other um, spiritual understandings through the Khalifa of the time. This is why, and this is the real reason why I came to the Ahmadiyyat through Islam, why I accepted it. Hazrat Misim Islam, of course, was a whole main purpose of that, but what I really mean to say is that I could see the living God through Islam today, which I don't see in any other faith, even now, even today, I don't see it. And I've now been in uh, this beautiful community for nearly 30, 30, 33, 34 years, and still I have not found God anywhere else but sitting in, the, in, in this community. Um, I have known it, um uh, few people always say that we do pray, and then they go become hopeless because the prayer has not been accepted or not been answered. Um, we always say that God listened to a prayer, but there are certain things to be fulfilled from us as well. And can you just uh, like I know, for example, you need to show patience, uh, and uh, but. If, uh, for for to uh, for a believer, how important is it to be, have a close connection to Allah before, like, before we wanted our prayer to be accepted? Why is it important that we have a close relationship to Allah? And also, can you, know, you um, uh, if you can also uh, just ex yeah, explain how we can have a close relationship with God? Because, I, for example, I have a friend, I'm close to him, but how can I build a close relationship with God? Well, I think the first thing, um, for me at least, um, is to first accept and believe in his existence, mm -hmm. that he exists. That's the first thing you have to accept. 
that yes, I do believe you exist. And you start building on that relationship. Um, this is not, uh, you know, only unique to Islam, but Islam is the pinnacle point of this. But if you if you witness um, and study religious history, you will find one thing in common amongst all of the religious histories. Um, mainly, I mean, I say mainly the Abrahamic faiths, but of course I do believe you experience this and other philosophies as well. But you will notice one thing. The God Almighty has said clearly that if you act upon my commandments and if you show obedience and uh, um, absolute submissiveness to my commandments, then I promise that I will always be there for you. I will always be there to help you, to guide you, Mm. etc. Now, if a person chooses to believe in God Almighty, but not to choose in everything that he has given us, in other words, they just pick and choose, then, of course, um, Allah the Almighty will be looking at you, and he will be uh, always, his, um, his grace is upon you. But his mercy is something else. And that mercy he may delay upon you, until you find yourself trying harder to submit, give full submission to him. So I think the, f- the first thing is actually completely submitting to him, actually just putting your trust in him. And, and I mean, you see, look, this is something of the heart, okay? Only Allah knows the heart. No one else knows it. He knows when you have submitted, really submitted. He knows the pain. He knows the that moment of feeling when you've completely surrendered to him. I think every one of us, including yourselves, we've all felt that at some time in our life, right? So mm-hmm. that is what that is what is needed when a person simply says, that's it, I've nothing I can do now, I'm putting my trust in you, and, and whatever happens, whatever the outcome of this, this is what I'm going to accept. This is one thing a person has to do, and this is what many, many, many Muslims, and particularly Ahmadi Muslims, are not doing. They are they are simply, yes, they believe in Allah, yes, they believe in the Holy Prophet, yes, they believe in Hazrat Muslim in Islam, and yes, I believe they are absolutely beautiful towards the Khalifa, Hazrat Khalifa al But they're still not submitting. They're, they're still holding on to the world to a degree where they're not submitting completely. So this is how you develop your relationship with God. And once... Once a person does this, he becomes your friend. And he, this is, a, I mean, I say this in humbleness. I've been to that point, and I'm saying that I'm very careful what I'm saying here, but I've been to that point where I felt, I, wherever I was walking, Allah was walking with me. And, you know, I've been to that point also where, where Allah has left me on my own for a period of time. And remember, Allah does this also to you. But he has to test you. He has to see, do you really believe in me? It's okay. And then he lets you go. The, the way I describe this to people is Allah is like that parent who's holding a child's hand when a child is learning to walk. And that child is insecure. And that child is completely dependent on the that parent who's protecting it. 
But sometimes the parent lets go of the hand of that child, so that child develops confidence. And that child is trust in the guidance of the parents. The same cases with Almighty Elephant are maybe they're holding our hand all the time, but sometimes he lets go just to see that will you really now, will you really and truly believe in me and trust in me and always be there and, and uh, knowing that I'll always be there for you? Or would you go in another direction? So this is how I believe. And this is the first element of, of developing your relationship with God Almighty. And the second element of that is the prayer. It's actually the prayer is the connecting bridge to that by actually understanding the, the, the what's the word I want to use? Understanding the, what is escaping my mind now? The insights. Mm. Understanding the, the real, true insights of success with your relationship with God. And that means, for example, when you're, when you're going to offering prayer, you have to start realizing that um, it's not the five physical emotions, the postures. That's, that's really what Allah wants from you. What he wants from you is the reality that you understand who you're going in front of, who you're bound down to. When you enter a masjid, you're entering another world and you're just standing before God, whether it's in your house or in the mosque, and you, you, you just step from one realm into the next realm, and that realm is the spirit, spiritual realm, of course. That, to get that insight and understanding and to fully grasp this, then, then you'll start to see that Allah will not always accept all your prayers because there's some prayers you ask which mm. may be not good for you. Mm. And this is the reality. Mm. And people tend to accept that. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this before or not, but it's, I'm going to summarize this for you because it's, not, it's, not, it's a true story, apparently, of a man who was going somewhere on a, on a contract, a very important contract, which he needed to survive, which he needed to, to be successful and provide his family and success in his company. He was so desperate to get that contract, and he had to get on a plane to a certain place. But when he got to that airport, everything on the way to the airport was seen to be delaying him. And when he got to the airport and he missed the flight, he cried and cried and cried to Allah, why did you do this to me? This is important to me. You know this is important to me. But what, he, what happened was that plane crashed and everyone died in that plane. So what he didn't realize, that slowing down and being late for that plane was Allah accepting his prayer and, you know, preventing him from this happening to him. So sometimes you don't know. So... That's why once you submit to this way, um, you're certainly going to develop a strong relationship with God Almighty and He will see things beyond your imagination. And Brandon, um, there are tons of questions we actually want to ask you, but we are reaching the end of the show. There's only one question we have now is left, or there's only time for one question. And that question is that it is always said that we are being created in the image of God. How can we understand that? We're only creating the image that he has given, he has inherited within us human beings, those characteristics of mercy, kindness, of patience, of generosity. Um, 
of ethics and morals and principles. We're created in that image of him. So basically, that's what it means. You basically the 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 attributes he has basically explained in Holy Quran like merciful. So we can yes, he we, has given he has so he has so beautifully given us. He didn't have to give us. Mm-hmm. He has given us part of he's given us part of his him in the sense of he's he has created us human beings and within our DNA within our mechanism he has given us those beautiful parts of history of his uh, image of that we can be kind we can be merciful mm. we can be patient we can be brave mm. we can be all those things so that's what's meant by we're in his, we're, we're, that's what I understand it to mean that um, we're created in his image um, in other words if you look at prophets of God, mm. that's why Jesus said that if you want to see God, look at me. Mm. Now the Christians believe that he was saying he was God. That's not what he was saying. What he was saying was, if you want to see God, then take a look at me. Meaning, look how I live my life. Just just as the Holy Prophet said in our If you really wanted to see God, then just look at the Holy Prophet said in our And I, I have said this openly. Uh, I, I do remember sometimes some Amadis brothers and sisters looking at me strangely. I often said to people, do you want to see God today? Then look at Khalifa al hmm. That doesn't mean, I'm not saying he's God. Hmm. I'm saying look at his characteristics. Look at his righteousness. Look at his piety. Look at his kindness. Look at every aspect of his human morals. You will find, uh, you will see God within them. This is what's meant by creating in his image. So in the end, uh, basically following, like for example, if we don't understand some attributes, we can find it like in the characteristic of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and the Caliph as well. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Dear Imam Ibrahim, thank you. It was awesome listening to you, and uh, the, the you know, but you have just mentioned all what you just thought us is, is amazing, and I think to be honest, how, the, the way you mentioned it, it should be like clear that there is a God, and you also mentioned the importance why, and you just said that believing in God can change the situation of the world as well. Um, dear listeners, um, um, dear listeners, we have come to the end of the show. I just want to say thank you for uh, to you, but I want to say thank you to Imam Ibrahim Nunan as well. Thank you again. Um, you have taken out your time, and hopefully, to be honest, hopefully I have I can have you. Again. I hope that I can have you again in my sh- uh, show because last time I enjoyed it, and this time I enjoyed it as well. So I wish you all the best for the future. <laughs> and um, <laughs> no, I wish you really all the best for the future. Um, awesome, thank you for you as well, and of course to our producers as well, uh, who produced the show today. Um, And dear listeners, if you want to learn more about Islam, the only thing I can say is stay tuned with Voice Islam Radio. Or you can go at www.alislam.org or you can listen to the addresses of His Holiness on YouTube at Muslim Television One. I wish you a pleasant weekend and may the peace and blessings of Allah be with you all.